This is the Week in Addiction Medicine, a podcast resource of timely news and top stories brought to you by the American Society of Addiction Medicine, ASAM. Today's Tuesday, February 28th, and I'm Claire Rasmussen. Our lead story this week, the Howard Street Method, a community pharmacy-led low-dose overlap buprenorphine initiation protocol for individuals using fentanyl, is in the Journal of Addiction Medicine. This case series examined the implementation of buprenorphine low-dose overlap initiation utilizing a community pharmacy. A blister pack was provided with a 7-day titration schedule, increasing from 0.5 mg to 4 mg daily. Of the 26 patients who started treatment, 14 completed the protocol with 79% reporting no withdrawal symptoms and 21% reporting only mild symptoms. At 30 days of follow-up, 71% were still receiving buprenorphine, and at 180 days, 43% were retained in care, but only 14% were still receiving buprenorphine. The study suggests that this community-based pharmacy approach is novel and may offer a new way to initiate buprenorphine in high-risk populations. Next is a study in addiction science and clinical practice, titled Estimating the Impact of Stimulant Use on Initiation of Buprenorphine and Extended-Release Naltrexone in Two Clinical Trials in Real-World Populations. The current study postulates that stimulant use may have a negative effect on initiation of medications for opioid use disorder. The study, which examined data for 673 participants in two previous clinical trials, found that stimulant use reduced the likelihood of initiating medications for opioid use disorder. The authors stressed the urgent need to address stimulant use in patients with opioid use disorder. A new study in JAMA Network Open is titled Trends in Out-of-Pocket Costs for and Characteristics of Pharmacy Dispensed Buprenorphine Medications for Opioid Use Disorder Treatment by Type of Payer 2015-2020. This cross-sectional study found that some 7 million buprenorphine prescriptions were dispensed in 2015 and 13 million were dispensed in 2020. Mean daily out-of-pocket costs decreased over the study period from $4.79 in 2015 to $1.91 in 2020. Costs varied by insurer, with Medicaid costing the least, and self-pay the highest. Strategies that target reduced out-of-pocket costs may improve buprenorphine treatment retention. Next, we have a study in JAMA Psychiatry titled Hospitalization Associated with Comorbid Psychiatric and Substance Use Disorders Among Adults with COVID-19 Treated in U.S. Emergency Departments from April 2020 to August 2021. In this cross-sectional analysis of more than 1.2 million emergency department patients with COVID-19, patients with both psychiatric and substance use disorders at a greater probability of hospitalization compared with those with psychiatric disorder alone, substance use disorder alone, or neither disorder. Substance use disorders appear to have a greater association with psychiatric disorders and the probability of hospitalization. A new study in BMC Health Services Research is titled Understanding the Role of Financial Capacity in the Delivery of Opioid Use Disorder Treatment. The current substance use disorder treatment system has struggled to meet the service needs of an increasingly diverse population. Because many substance use disorder treatment programs are small and financially unstable, they face heightened risk of discontinuing services or reducing the quality of care. 
This literature review showed inconsistencies in the definition and application of concepts associated with financial capacity across business and social service delivery fields. The study found significant differences in components of financial capacity across years and an increase in average earned revenue and markup in 2017 compared to prior years. The interaction between minorities and markup was significantly associated with higher likelihood of waiting. The next study is in The Lancet, titled The Therapeutic Potential of Psychedelics, The European Regulatory Perspective. This article describes several questions that need resolution as the European Union considers regulating the use of psychedelics as treatment for various mental health conditions. Double-blinding of research is difficult since the difference in effects of active drug and placebo is evident to both research staff and participants. Psychotherapy is standard in trials of psychedelics. The article questions whether psychedelics are adding value or if the trial's effects are primarily the result of psychological support. More work on safety is needed, such as long-term effects and interaction with other medications. Further research is also needed to establish optimum dose. Our next article, titled Naloxone Over-the-Counter, Increasing Opportunities and Challenges for Health Providers, is in the American Journal of Medicine. In anticipation of FDA approval of over-the-counter naloxone, this commentary highlights the opportunities and challenges of such a harm reduction strategy. The authors state that improved access through availability and education should involve healthcare providers and SUD treatment programs, as well as emergency medicine providers and providers at college-based student health services. Furthermore, naloxone should be available wherever a portable defibrillator is present. The authors also endorse state medical societies advocating for greater naloxone access. Our final article, titled Examining Associations Between MDMA, Ecstasy, and Classic Psychedelic Use and Impairments in Social Functioning in a U.S. Adult Sample, is in Scientific Reports. Utilizing the National Survey on Drug Use and Health from 2015 to 2019, the authors examine association between MDMA and other psychedelic and social functioning. MDMA was found to be associated with lower difficulty dealing with strangers, as well as lower difficulty participating in social activities and lower prevention from engaging in social activities due to mental health. Among psychedelics, only mescaline was associated with lower difficulty dealing with strangers. The study did not determine causality, but the authors suggest multiple potential mechanisms for this effect. This concludes today's episode of This Week in Addiction Medicine. Remember to subscribe to the ASAM Weekly for more exclusive content and our editor's commentary, delivered every Tuesday. Be sure to check us out on social media and asam.org. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.